Welcome to the latest edition to Hear That Podcast. Growlin, Paul Inger Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you. This is the fake kind of start to Hear That Podcast, Growlin, because we already recorded this episode uh, this morning. Maybe some of you watched it live on YouTube. Thank you to those of you that did. And then uh, the training camp news cycle just kind of took off, Jay. I was telling you, you're a roller coaster guy. It's like a King's Island flight of fear. Like it starts just sitting there and it goes zero to 60 in like three seconds or whatever to takes off. That's our training camp news cycle. As uh, the news of Joe Burrow had to get an appendectomy today or is getting an appendectomy today, getting his appendix removed hit. Uh, we have that confirmed and some more information, but we wanted to kind of discuss that real quick before we get into the full episode, because um, anytime Joe Burrow is getting a uh, anesthetic, uh, we, need, <laughs> we need to talk about this immediately. Yeah, it's. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people's hearts sunk when they uh, they saw the initial news and you see surgery. Um, it It's it's hard to call any surgery minor when it's because it, you know, if it's happening to someone else, there there's issues with it. But this is this is, I mean, you you've talked to the expert on this. This is a a minimally invasive surgery with uh, not a lot of risk to it. Yeah. So I I, I love I, when stuff like this happens. I have somebody who I go to that kind of hooks up with whoever the expert is, and they're able to do it <laughs> fairly quickly, which was great. The response time was record time, though, in this time. And so I talked to Dr. Tracy Childs, who's a chief of surgery at Providence St. John's Health Center in Santa Monica, California. She's been doing appendectomies for 40 years and explained to me – I mean – Everybody, maybe you've had an appendectomy, you're listening to this. Everyone knows someone that has. It's not a scary thing. Everyone knows that it's not a big deal. But it is good to hear kind of the, the basics of it when we get into a professional athlete. Mm. Risks are very small. It's minimally invasive. She's like, most of my patients will leave that day. It's in and out type deal. And she says he will probably miss practice for a week. Or two, when he's comfortable enough to practice, he can practice without restrictions. You know, basically saying there's no real restrictions on you once you leave, other than if you get hit in the in the belly, uh, it's going to hurt a lot. Um, but when you're comfortable enough, you can go do it. And, uh, you know, that it's not, again, not that big of a deal. Um, she called it bread and butter surgery, and that it's just so common. They do it mm -hmm. all the time. And it's the it's a 12-millimeter incision or two five millimeter incisions are apparently they're just so tiny it's it's barely anything in and out um and you know again risks of some complication of it very small bottom line um you know precedent wise you have uh, uh on a quick search matt castle had it in 2010 in december he missed he, 11 days after surgery he was playing in a game he missed one week um Last camp, I think Charlie Goldsmith, the Inquirer, had this. Last camp, John Wolford of the Rams uh, was went from surgery on August 6th to fully back practicing August 19th, but was in the building almost the entire time in between. So I'd expect Burrow to be back, kind of hanging out, being, you know, like they don't even start padded practices for a week. So um, in the big picture, it doesn't mean much. The timing 
could be worse. Uh, that's for yeah, sure. For sure. Uh, it's just the beginning of camp. Uh, so for all of that, uh, not great, but it's fine. You know, no big deal, but you never want to see this happening right there on the first day camp. No, they, I, what I wonder about is, yes, he's not going to get hit in, in training camp, in practice. That's just, that's not going to happen. It never happens, especially for a guy coming off surgery. But Joe Burrow is not a ease your way back in kind of guy. And there's a lot of torque that goes into to ripping off some of those throws. So he may be dealing with some discomfort. I could see him that, like you said, the doctor told you it's all about your comfort level. He's going to fight through that. He's going to try to get back as soon as possible. Um, so it's just going to be a, a matter of pain tolerance. I, I think the bigger issue here is in all of this, as you guys will hear later in the show, we talk about Alex Kappa, Leo Collins. They all seem minimal on the surface within their own spectrum, but if you're a believer in the law of averages, we've talked about this. Can the Bengals avoid the injury bug like they did last year? And now here we go. Camp hasn't even started. And one of your free agents had surgery for a core muscle injury. Uh, now Joe Burrow with the appendectomy. Lyle Collins with a back issue on NFI. I, I think there's probably some uneasy... Uh, feeling right now among the fan base it it, it like i said it's it's n- nothing is related to the other but if you are a believer in the law of averages catching up this is an ominous beginning yeah it's true we haven't even taken the field yet right. we haven't seen a player take the field yet so um but as far as burrow goes again it's scary to hear surgery um but on the whole not a big deal i'd expect you know a cu- a week or two you will see him back out there yeah. fully, you know, and consi- you know, you're at that point, you're just getting into the padded practice portion of the program and playing time. But so, so much for that normal off season, full training camp thing. But <laughs> again, a minor bump in the road. Well, can we go try Jay? Let's try to off the top of our head, go down the list. It's getting harder of Joe Burrow injuries. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the ACL. Yeah. Okay. We had the throat contusion, yes. which was very fun where he couldn't talk for a few weeks where we were like, is it really hurt or you just not want to talk to us? <laughs> uh, we had the, the sprained MCL from the Super Bowl. Yep. We have the dislocated pinky that he played through all of the end of last year. And now we have an appendectomy added to the list. Am I missing any? I believe you've covered it. He, he, he. <laughs> have to go back through the archives. There's so many uh, that have piled up over the course of the last year of Joe Burrow injuries. We need the operation game, right? We need like the operation game here that we can pick which ones that we we've, we've had to deal with because they're they are they are piling up. But you know, outside of the ACL, uh, he's been able to play through all of them, and that will be the case. Uh, barring anything crazy happening, which again, that seems as a tiny, tiny, tiny possibility that anything could come of that. So anyway, Joe Burrow, appendectomy, seen a week or two is where we're at with that. Now let's get started with the real show that we already recorded. There's, there's a lot, and I mean a lot to get to today as we've got, I've, we've got all, you're going to hear from everybody. Uh, we've got Mike Brown, Duke Tobin. Zach Taylor, you're going to hear from all of them on all kinds of topics. We're going to talk about Leo Collins and Alex Kappa's injuries. We're going to talk about Jesse Bates. We're going to talk about Mike Brown, thus talking about the stadium for the first time publicly. Um, 
and a number of other topics from Mike. Of course, one of the really what's kind of turned into the one time per year that we hear from Mike. Uh, and so we want to make sure you get to hear a lot of what he did have to say with us yesterday. Um, we're going to talk about the Burrow contract, which was uh, really up there as far as topic 1A on the day uh, when it, it comes to what people were interested in discussing. And uh, obviously it's on the mind as Kyler Murray's deal has come off. I've been doing a lot of work on this topic for a while now uh, in the background. And so we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, we're going to talk about winning windows, what if they're in the basement, if they're in the in the uh, the living room, where's your window at? What are you looking at with Duke Tobin? <laughs> and we'll get into some camp questions storyline. The Bengals, as we record this, the Bengals are going to be uh, dropping the latest, the ninth of forty two. Uh, reveals <laughs> surrounding the white tiger look, I guess. Uh, so the latest that that's going to happen, maybe live, maybe we'll have a reaction to that. Mo Egger is going to join us. Uh, we're going to bring him. We're going to talk about his tweets. And uh, I want to talk about Mike Brown with Mo. So looking forward to getting to all of that. Um, I, I, I do want to shout out amongst, you know, we talk about the mock turtle soup a lot, Jay. Do we, we do need to shout out the Sherbert. Okay. Oh. I mean, every year they trot the sherbet out at the end. It's delicious. It's sherbet in a nice little glass with the cookie stick with like chocolate on the end of it. I mean, we we probably should spend more time taking photographs and talking about. Should we call it the sherbet? Like, of see, the sherbet luncheon is not as recognizable right. as or the big cookie stick. I don't know what we call it, <laughs> but it it deserves more respect. I am I am very proud of my restraint yesterday because Charlie Goldsmith was sitting next to me and he took off to go somewhere else and I said oh he's gonna need some too and they they put some ice cream down at his seat well he never came back he continued working so I ate mine and then that one's just sitting there mm. and I'm like mm, can yeah. I just reach over there and go for seconds on dessert and and I didn't I I held back. Um. Also, they added, for the first time maybe in the history of the Bengals, they actually <laughs> changed something about the menu. Uh, I don't think it's ever happened before. They added crumbles to the salmon this year. I'm calling them Super Bowl crumbles. That's what they're going to be known as, the Super Bowl crumbles uh, from this point forward. That's enough about uh, our the luncheon yesterday. The luncheon is really about us talking to everybody inside the organization. And so that's where we kind of want to start. And um, let's dive into really the newsiest element. We love to start with news here. The newsiest element of yesterday is probably Lael Collins and Al Kappa. Um, and them ending up, uh, well, Kappa on PUP, Collins surprisingly on the NFI, which is non-football injury. For those that aren't don't know, they're essentially the same thing. It's just a matter of uh, bookkeeping on where these happened and who's liable. Uh, and so <laughs> they, they, the Collins injury is an NFI, meaning it happened away from football, nothing to do with football uh, in July, according to Zach Taylor. It is a back injury. Um, Jay, I mean, Reading through the lines, one, Kappa, this is a rollover from the offseason. He had core muscle uh, issue, I believe it was called at that time. Thing, deal. whatever we were, deal. It was called a deal. Yes. Uh, now it's called a surgery. Yes. Uh, was Quite had. the leap. <laughs> no longer a deal. We've moved from deal to surgery, uh, but I think the expectations are that he should be back first, but mm. both should be back um, within due time over the course of camp. Yeah, and, and just – 
I mean, Zach, when he first got here, was very open about timelines on on injuries, and he's he kind of learned his lesson there. So for them to to come out and say that that it will be just probably a, ease him in for a couple of weeks, I think Bengal fans can can feel good about that. You, there, there can always be a setback; you never know for sure. But it, it doesn't sound like anything that's that's overly concerning, which is a good thing because the, this was the 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 centerpiece of free agency was improving that that O line. So it is a little concerning that that two of the newcomers aren't ready for the start of camp. But again, that the the fact that they were were willing to put somewhat of a timeline on it should be encouraging. Yeah. I mean the Collins thing to me is more concerning than Kappa. I feel like we yeah. knew about Kappa and the the and look, they're veterans. There's there there's less concern over if this was a first round draft pick and you're worried about already they're going to really need this camp. Not that they don't. I mean, they're working with new guys for the first time. They're trying to build chemistry. They're playing right next to each other. This stuff's important, but they're also vets. They also know what they're doing. So just getting them some kind of run in camp certainly would be good. That seems definitely going to happen with Kappa. Collins is more concerning for me. One, you know what this reminds me of, Jay? (laughs) <laughs> this is when it's like mid-February and, and pitchers and catchers report to spring training and you hear about some pitcher in his first bullpen felt some stiffness in his elbow, right? Like- and it's like, oh, I mean, it should be nothing. I mean, he should be able to yeah. – yeah. or, you know, what I always think, season's over. Season's yeah. over. Like once – it's just back injuries at the beginning of a year, they make me nervous uh they're they're not i i just i don't like it and now does that mean it means that it, no you'd be totally fine guys go through stuff all the time i mean back injury whatever um it ends up being fine they're just being cautious um certainly that can be the case um i get nervous about nagging look I had back surgery last November. <laughs> Leo Collins is not going to be laying down, getting L4 and L5 fused like I was. You know, I mean, I at least I certainly for his sake, hope not. And for Bengals fans sake, hope not. And for Joe Burrow's sake, really hope not. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that this doesn't mean that ends up there. But that stuff, it continues. It nags and eventually ends in a place where you have to worry about it. Um Again, not saying I see you. I see you in the YouTube comments, but yeah, Paul Downer Jr. returns. Yeah, the season's here, people. I'm here to to be a little bit more realistic. Okay, I know everybody wants to talk about how great things are, and they are mostly great around these parts these days. But I don't like it. Just makes me nervous. Everything could be totally fine, and and you certainly hope. But that is one. It's one thing that uh, just makes me a little nervous. That's all, Jay. Yeah, because it's it's not initially bad news but your your analogy with spring training is is point on or spot on because how many times have you seen that where a guy feels a little twinge in his elbow uh they give him the rest needed then he does rehab and it it comes back again that's not to say it's going to happen with Leo collins but you you always have to worry about that he could he could rest for two weeks be fine come back you just never know when that when something like a black a, a back is going to flare up again um so I, I do think there will always be kind of that little bit of doubt in the back of people's minds. There's, there's no reason for panic yet, but there, you, you can, you should be maybe a little concerned that that is he going to be able to to play 17 games? And I know walking and playing football are two different things. But if some of you may not have seen that the Bengals, it's 
Colin's birthday today, the Bengals posted a video of him reporting to the locker room with Hude giving him a birthday cupcake. Didn't look like there was any kind of hitch in his giddy up. He, he seemed to be moving fine. Again, I, I realize that playing football and simply walking are totally different, but it, it, it's something that it doesn't seem like an imminent problem, but it will be something to monitor as the season goes on. Jay, are you playing social media Twitter MD over here? Our Twitter doc? Are we doing <laughs> judging? Is this is this the old the I, Joe Burrow in sweat not in sweatpants video walking? I mean, let's let's not judge Colin's injury on how he I, grabbed his birthday cupcake. Okay, I, I feel like I clarified that <laughs> difference, but it was worth noticing that there was he was no fine limit. getting his birthday cupcake. <laughs> <laughs> uh all right so that's that's kind of where that stands right now those th- that's as news goes nothing else in the the pup list that came out um was not surprising um you know joseph osai not on it uh yeah. is probably uh notable um t higgins not on it yes uh, a lot of names that you expected to hopefully be healthy are healthy um but for the most part um, Jay, do you have that list off the top of your head? I'm trying to remember. I didn't pull it up, but it was it was all names of people. Khalid Kareem uh, was on. Batchy. I just want to make sure we don't leave somebody off. Uh, Joe Batchy. Um, there was uh, – I can't remember off the top of my head. I should have pulled that list up. Uh, but uh, it was just a few guys that were all part of the OTA's crew. Yeah, it's a, it's P. Taking, Ryan. Sorry, but yep. P. Ryan and Brandon Wilson as well. The other two. Yep. I knew yep. there's a few more that, that are all Brandon Wilson. Again, coming back from that ACL, we don't know how long it's going to take. Um, and we also were kind of pointing out and we talked to Darren Simmons yesterday and, mm-hmm. and he pointed, you know, when healthy Brandon Wilson can be that guy, but it's, I think there's a question of when will he be healthy? Can he be healthy? Can you trust him to be that same guy coming off an ACL this year when you have somebody in Chris Evans who maybe you uh, like the way he played as a kick returner and maybe could take over that job and save you a roster spot, so to speak. So uh, we talked a little bit about Brandon Wilson potentially being gone when they drafted Tyson Anderson. Um, this could set that up as a you know a, a long-term PUP might be in play for Brandon Wilson there. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's move on to Jesse Bates. Because have we talked? We should have we ever addressed the Jesse Bates situation, Jay? Has anybody ever talked about it? Well, it's been mentioned a couple times, but I don't think yeah. we've dove into it. No, no, yeah, never, never <laughs> really kind of deep to really break it down, right? Have we done that yet enough? For the love of Christ, two years on this stuff. So, look, I think this is kind of the one element that was missing, though, Jay, and and that was the highest end addressing will Jesse play. We've said since the very beginning the the where the cards were laid out, everybody's played their hand. The only question left is would Jesse actually not collect $12.9 million? The Bengals were in a full assumption mode that he would, and they kind of doubled down on that. We want to bring in, here is uh, Mike Duke and Zach, uh, Mike Brown, 
Duke, Tobin, Zach, Taylor, all talking about Jesse Bates and their expectations for him in this year and how this has gone. Here, here, here they are. Zach, have you talked lately with Jesse Bates, and where's your optimism level of him according to camp at some point? Yeah, I've talked to Jesse. You know, that, that's going to be up to him when he decides to show up. But uh, Jesse's a great player and great leader on our team. And, and so I know that he's going to be in shape and ready for whenever he does show up. We'll be ready for him. Um, in the meantime, it's, it'll be critical for Dax to take advantage of every opportunity he gets. And uh, so be ready to play whatever role comes at him this year. But, um, you know, communication with Jesse's been good, and it'll be up to him when he decides to come to practice. As of right now, are you expecting him to be there here Wednesday? I, I don't want to make any predictions. You know, that'll be up to him when he decides to show up. Oh, you know, we tried for a couple of years. It just didn't come together. you got to have an agreement. You've got to have uh, them believing it's a good deal for them and us believing that it's a deal that we can live with going forward. And it just didn't come together. There's no hard feelings with that. Um, there's no blame. It's, it's just sometimes deals don't come together. And uh, it doesn't mean we're not looking forward to having a great season with Jesse and having him be uh, as big a part of our team as he's always been. And it doesn't... Uh, foreclose any op- opportunity after the year, but it just uh, it didn't it didn't come together, and uh, and that's where it is. And we're looking forward to going forward with him. Jesse's a good guy. We like him. He's been an excellent player. Uh, he uh, fits with us. We were two years and trying to uh, extend him, and we weren't able to uh, get there. Uh, I regret that we didn't, but we will have another chance at the end of the season. Maybe it'll happen then. Keep in mind that uh, we have a lot going on. We're trying to get ready for our cap as we go down the line, and we're going to need room for our quarterback, for our receivers, and for some other uh, people who are going to want to get paid at the top level too. Uh, It's uh, not easy to fit all these uh, in. And uh, one thing, uh, I expect Jesse to be here and play for us this year. Uh, That'll uh, be something that uh, we look forward to. There's uh, Zach Taylor, Duke Tobin, Mike Brown. Uh, all talking about Jesse Bates. Um, look, I think there's a few lines that stick out there, and, and it was the main theme of the day. It felt like they had sat around or they'd been emailed their talking points on Jesse Bates <laughs> and all kind of had what it was. Look, he's going to play for us this year. We expect him to play for us this year. Whenever he wants to show up, he can show up. Uh, we're not expect. We're not saying he's going to be day one. We don't know when that's going to be. But we expect him to play for us this year, and certainly it sounds like they expect him to be here for the opener. Uh, and I think that was kind of the primary, the last bit of news that everybody across the board expects Jesse Bates to be playing for the Bengals this year. Yeah, because I mean the the contract negotiation itself is between. Jesse's agent in the front office. The fact that that Jesse is still in regular talks or regular has regular conversations with Zach and you know who presumably Lou as well, even though Lou didn't say that, I think is a good sign. I, you, you wrote about the one situation where a, a player actually refused to sign the tag, sat out the year. Le'Veon Bell. I, I, I 
I don't have I don't have this side of I remember that being much more contentious and where and he wasn't That was his talking. second tag. I mean they've been yelling at yes. each other forever, yeah. Right. And and so it the, the fact that I, I don't think Zach is guessing there or just throwing a statement out that he expects Jesse to play. I, I think they're those they've had conversations and really I, I kind of wrote about this. We've talked about it. It's you don't want to say it's best of both worlds, but giving Dax Hill every single first team rep in training camp has serious benefit. I mean, and, and Lou saying as soon as Jesse does get back, we're, we're going to stick him in there that they trust that he's staying in shape. They know how well he knows the defense, how well he communicates with guys, how respected he is by his teammates. Nobody's going to blink and say, Hey, we had to sweat it out in training camp and, and work for our spots. How come he gets to just walk in and, and start? You know, right before the opener, I don't think that's going to cause any kind of rift. And I don't think you're going to see Jesse's play struggle early because of it. I, I think there's a trust level there that that he's he's doing what he needs to do. And yes, ideally, he is in camp. But if you if you don't have a contract, you you can't take that kind of risk. Or even if he signs the tag and, and just comes in and does position drills, he you just can't take that risk of getting in there on, on team drills and 11 on 11 and. Um, it's going to be a big, big, it's not an ideal situation again, but it's a huge benefit for Dax Hill to get Dax Hill to get these reps. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's the future there. They want to get him play right. there. And, and that's, uh, that's certainly important. I mean, I think we've talked so much about the Jesse thing. I think there's everyone coming out and pointing out, look, there's no blame. There's no mm-hmm. hard feelings. As Duke Tobin said, this is just, this stuff happens. You, try to sign people you don't always get to sign people i mean it's notable and not at all surprising we're going to get to this in a moment and it's going to be you know kind of a certainly obviously a story as we get into the next off season mostly um it was immediately mentioned i mean look we need room for our qb we've got these receivers we, we there's a lot of people coming down the line this contract is going to set against those so if you're looking for the first tiny drop I don't think that they would have necessarily paid Bates what he was asking for anyway, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, if you're looking for that first tiny drop um, of what it looks like when you have to live with the, the giant quarterback contract, as we now see with Kyler Murray, hey, you think one of those uh, independent study addendums going to show up in Joe Burrow's contract, Jay? Think they're <laughs> worried about that very much. No. Uh, <laughs> um, either way, um, we will we'll kind of watch watch this as it goes along. We'll be on Jesse Watch for when he shows up, what he does. But clearly, organizationally, the expectation is that Jesse will show up and will play for this team this year, and that's all that matters. All right, let's talk a little bit here um, about Mike Brown. Um, so... We've seen Mike uh, every year now at this time, and uh, he he has not changed. Um, You know, there's uh, everything is changing around him, right? Like, and and his decisions have often changed, right? I mean, we're talking about uh, we're looking at a world where they're spending in free agency. They have the indoor practice facility that's going up right now. Uh, they're selling the naming rights. Um, he's potentially going to take his father's name off the stadium. Um, there's a ring of honor. There's all of these things are very different. 
and very much a change from just keep on going the same way it's gone for 50 plus years. Um, but Mike himself, you know, I think has not necessarily changed. He's still sitting in the same spot. It might have been a new suit. I don't, I'm not sure. It didn't, it looked like maybe a newer suit, maybe a super, maybe he got a Super Bowl suit. I'm not sure. But, uh, it, it, but, you know, speaking the same way, his same unfiltered self, um, and still f- viewing the league differently than most do, still caring about the challenges of a small market and still thinking through those lines and still caring most about the football team overall. And that matters, you know. Um, I, I, before we bring in Mo here, I, I want, I want to just kind of talk about, you know, what Mike has had to say and because it's different, you know, it's, um, I mean, we're talking about him selling the naming rights. We're talking about the stadium for the first time. Okay. The issue, like the issue that villainized him. In the 90s, outside of, you know, losing a ton. Uh, But really, that lease held over his head, over the Bengals' head, for the almost the entirety of time that he's been the president. Now coming back around again, when this team has never been more popular and more different in the way that they're kind of operating. I just, it's kind of fascinating that we come back around to that. Um I want to let's bring in Mike talking about the naming rights uh, here, and um, for our folks listening on the audio version off of YouTube, uh, the full bit of him talking about naming rights, the stadium season tickets. You can listen to a lot of the longer version of all these interviews um, uh, on the audio version uh, on your podcast platforms. Uh, but here's for YouTube. Here's Mike Brown on naming rights. Well, for me, of course, uh, my father's name has been up there, and and I think deservedly so. Uh, this is a move that I do think he would have agreed to. He's always, he was always for what's best for the football team. And it's uh, a time now where we need a revenue stream. It'll help us uh, uh, do such things as build the indoor facility. It'll help us uh, perhaps uh, handle the cap a little bit easier. And we're uh, a small market team. We need... Uh, the revenue streams that we can uh, obtain. Uh, it uh, is uh, the fact that uh, about 30 teams have naming rights and a revenue stream from that, and they have more revenue than we do to begin with. So we have to do some things just to uh, keep up. Uh, I, uh, don't have anything to say about it as to what, when, or how. Uh, when it comes time for an announcement, uh, we'll make an announcement, but uh, not today. There's uh, there's Mike Brown, and you know, I just the naming rights thing is great. Um, it it's it's sort of like the ring. I I speak about it the same way as the Ring of Honor, Jay. Like, yeah, that's a good idea. You know, it's and there's a reason everyone else does it. Um, I res- I respected the the fact that they sort of held on to the reverence element of this, um, 
for a long time. Um, but you know, for me, it's also you got to do what you got to do. I mean, there, there's mm-hmm. a lot to play there. You know who's good to talk about this, Jay? Can we our bring good in our friend. good? Can we bring in our good friend and yours <laughs> from uh, ESPN 1530, Mo Egger? What's up? What's going on, fellas? How we doing? Not hey, much. Uh, we just played some audio from yesterday, which I'm guessing you probably heard too of Mike. Yeah. Talking about naming rights, stadium, season ticket sales, but I mean, talking about the stadium for the first time. We've never, <laughs> yeah. we've never heard him. And I was just saying, you know, um, really the issue that villainized him here, right? I mean, that and losing all those games, but I mean, you know, that, that part, that lease held over his head and the team's head forever. And now here it comes back again. And to hear him talk about it for the first time, before we ask you about your tweets, I'm curious your takeaways <laughs> in hearing from Mike about the stadium. And if anything stuck out to you, hearing him talk about the stadium for the first time. My, my main takeaway is had he tried to do this or had they tried to do this three years ago, we people, the, the reaction would be a lot different. I even said on my show yesterday, I've been a little surprised at how people are just willing to go along with this. And and by the way, I am too. Um, I just think it's, it's like timing is a big part of this, right? If you're going to sell your naming rights, do it when your profile is high, do it when your brand is cool, do it when there's going to be more people inside your stadium than maybe ever before, when there's more attention being paid to the games being played in your stadium than ever before. But let's be honest, this would be viewed as a greedy cash grab yep. if the Bengals had chosen to do this at any point over the last uh, 20 or so years, if they did this at their absolute, like, you know, just uh bad Marvin Lewis nadir, or when they were two and 14, a couple of years ago, this is being viewed differently than it is right now. I, I kind of view it as the next step in the modernization of the Bengals, right? Yeah. Which, you know, everybody has said for years, we want the Bengals to modernize and they have in so many ways. This is, this is part of that, right? This is a, this is a fact of life in professional sports. This is clearly a fact of life in the NFL for everybody but Green Bay and Chicago. And Soldier Field is so sacred. They're talking about putting a roof on it or moving the Bears out of it. So um, I don't know why anybody would have any real issue with this. I think to a degree, it helped that Mike publicly sort of acknowledged, look, my dad would say, go get the cash. Mm-hmm. Do what's right for the franchise. Do what's right for the organization. And that's what they're doing. And I've been pleasantly surprised at the lack of pushback on uh, the changing the name. Now, most corporate names on stadiums and arenas are kind of stupid. Uh, and you are free to call it whatever you want. If it's fill in the blank name stadium or fill in the blank name field at Paul Brown Stadium, you can still call it Paul Brown Stadium. We joke on my show all the time. Uh, I, I referred to where FC Cincinnati plays as the stadium on the West end. And uh, the, the stadium, the Reds play is at uh, it's GABP and Xavier plays on Xavier's campus. And I, I do that just to sort of illustrate um, y- y- if you're not getting paid by the company, whose name is on the building, you can call it whatever the hell you want and you can keep doing that. But I have been pleasantly surprised that uh, there hasn't been that much pushback at something that there shouldn't be much pushback to. Yeah, it's like bowl games where you, it's still the Orange Bowl. Nobody calls it the FedEx Orange Bowl. You don't. You don't have to throw that name in. And, right. And I, I, I agree with you that it, it feels like right now the Bengals could do anything, 
And it, <laughs> as long as the reason they stated for doing it was to keep Joe Burrow here, people would be on board. It's just that's and part of this too. And, and Paul wrote about this today about how Mike himself has has stayed the same and everything around him has changed. And he he was so big about this is the way we do it. We've always done it this way, and. It, it all he, he ceded control. That was the first kind of slide. And then bringing Elizabeth in with her new ideas. And she's the one that talked him into the ring of honor. He has seen these new ideas pay off huge dividends and fan engagement and success of the team and all that. And I just, it, I'm not surprised at all to see that, that, that he's, that he's taking this step and he understands. And he has, he's 86. He's almost 87. He is still very sharp. The, the memory may not be quite what it was. The hearing is definitely get, going down, but he's very, very plugged in with this team. He knows what need, what needs to be done. And I, I agree with you that had they done this before, it would have been all about the cash grab and there would have been criticism. And right now, anything they do that's going to ensure Joe Burrow stays here beyond the, the length of his rookie contract, everybody's going to be in favor of it. It doesn't matter what it is. All right, let's just take a quick break. And make no mistake, make no mistake, though, that's what this is. I mean, there's not, mm. when you're listening to Mike there, I mean, he does not waste time saying it can help us with the cap. We've referenced this. You've mm-hmm. seen a lot about this um, with other contracts and in response to the Deshaun Watson $230 million guaranteed for smaller market teams that don't have as much cash on hand that have to follow the NFL's funding rule where whatever you fully guarantee, you have to have in an escrow to to be sitting there. Um, you know, That kind of cash on hand is harder to have and it can help with that, not they obviously have money. Okay, that's not the point. But the point is, if you're talking about a deal that you can structure with whatever company, okay, if it's 10 years at $10 million per year for the naming right, $100 million, you could structure that to say, oh, by the way, we would love to have like, you know, could you give us like 50 mil at the beginning so we can put it in our escrow thing to keep Joe Burrow here and then you just take it easy on the back end of the deal. You can do these things however you want and that's probably part of, that's part of this equation. It's not about, you know, not that that's going to do give you the whole number you would need for whatever Joe Burrow's guarantee is, but it's going to be huge. I mean, that you can't do a deal with a quarterback now that doesn't have that in some capacity. Josh Allen, I mean, heck, even the Mahomes deal, which is one of the most team-friendly ever, you have elements of that. So that's part of this. And when, when you're selling it that way, uh, then that's the move you have to make because, and it always comes back to this with Mike, that's what's best for the football team, okay? It keeps the team good, and that is always what has been at the front of Mike's decisions. The rest of it, he could give or take. The football team matters, and now the football team is what really needs this. And I think everybody gets that. Uh, this is just another tentacle of the Joe Burrow effect, right? Yep. Which just has, I mean, it, it's just reverberated in so many different ways. And this is one of them, right? We're, we're talking about changing the name, um, which some people thought would never happen as long as Mike Brown was alive and maybe as long as as the Brown family owned the team. Um, and so now this is going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I've even sort of put it in real world terms. Um, would you rather take a, a corporation's money and slap it on the name of this on the on the side of the stadium, or 
they raise season ticket prices or the cost of beer or individual game tickets or the cost of parking. I mean, and look, they're probably going to do a lot of that stuff. That's just co- what comes with, with um, the demand for tickets being what it is. And, you know, I mean, there's, there's also the matter of the Bengals are going to kick in some dough to uh, renovate and upgrade Paul Brown stadium. Is this money going to go to that? No, it's probably going to go towards keeping Joe Burrow. But if, if they can find revenue streams that t- eases the burden on taxpayers, I don't know who would be opposed to that. I mean, I've I've joked about the practice bubble. Put every damn logo you can on that, man. I'm going to see if if I can actually buy a logo, just my Twitter feed on the <laughs> on the practice bubble. And so, I mean, will it be sort of an eyesore? Maybe. Um, but again, it's it's all about keeping number nine. And I, I think a lot of people who cover this league have done a really good job of articulating what is needed if you're going to guarantee a quarterback the kind of money that Joe Burrow is probably going to be asked to have guaranteed and nobody wants to lose him. And I, you know, I, I've, I've said on my show, I said uh, yesterday to the, to the few holdovers that are clinging to the purity of the Paul Brown stadium name. Can you imagine if you found out after the fact that Joe Burrow couldn't agree to a contract with the Bengals. And at the same time, the Bengals turned down, an insane amount of money from a company that wanted to attach its name to PBS. You would lose your mind. I would lose my mind. They're not going to do that. This is a good thing. Now, my question for you guys is, um, are there any cool corporate names on professional or high-end college arenas or stadiums? Are any of them cool? And did you guys at all consider my idea to take that Heinz ketchup money, bring the ketchup (laughs) bottles from Pittsburgh, slap them on PBS and throw up a Heinz ketchup size middle finger at the city of Pittsburgh by calling it Heinz field. (laughs) I mean, I'm in full support of that kind of a, that kind of a direct troll job. Uh, Is there a cool one? I mean, like some kids would say that crypto.com is probably cool, but I would not. Yeah. I think if there's a dot com, like and I don't I'm and maybe this makes me sound but if, there, if there's a dot com in your like stadium name I'm not really there's no way that that's cool. Great American Ballpark actually is one of those that like kind of mm-hmm. works two ways it and kind of fits. Um and so I, I I appreciate that here locally, but I, I it's hard to find some that are truly cool. I'm cool with Bush Stadium. I mean, anything named after beer, that's, yeah, <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> well, you know, it was interesting because you've had a, a handful of moments like this where a stadium has its, and Heinz Field is a prime example, has its corporate name for so long that people kind of forget it's a corporate name. So yeah. um, it, I, one of my best friends is a huge Brewers fan. They changed the name of Miller Park to american financial family (laughs) festival i don't know and folks in milwaukee lost their mind people in los angeles i think there were people who thought that staples center was named after the staples singers no it's it's an it's an office supply store (laughs) but the name was there for so long that people i think kind of forgot that that was a corporate name and so i do think that happens occasionally but yeah man i i'm i'm all for I'm, i'm all for anything that uh, best ensures that Joe Burrow plays every single prime season of his career in Cincinnati. And if this takes a step toward getting that done, you can call it whatever the hell you want. Does, does it have to be a Cincinnati company? If someone, no. Okay. So Arby's is in play. <laughs> oh man. Well, there's Arby's franchises in Cincinnati, <laughs> right, but they're headquartered in Atlanta. 
I mean, look, I, I would think it was I would think it was cool if it was a local company. Yeah. My guess is it won't be. Um because I just I, I get the sense that larger sort of beyond the 275 loop companies are going to be able to write larger checks and the mm -hmm. Bengals have a big national profile right now. But no, I, I I couldn't I couldn't care less about that. I mean, if it's if it's a, a a service or a product or a store or something that you can't access in Cincinnati, like if they named it, I don't know, Alaska Airlines Stadium. <laughs> Well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I can't jump on an Alaska. I, I can barely jump on a Delta flight the way air travel works these days. But I mean, it, it would, I'd like for it to be something that we could access here, mm -hmm. but no, I don't care if it's a Cincinnati based company or not. Well, I, I, I just, I, I'm also, you know, I, I'm enamored by the fact that, you know, you mentioned the way that everybody's kind of going along with the naming rights thing, I, you know, the way there just seems to be everybody going around along the same way with a, yeah, let's what what's the rent four hundred ninety three million? Is that what they need to renovate this thing? Like, uh, <laughs> all right, let's roll. Right, I mean, it's just un it's 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 unbelievable eh, that we're here listening to Mike Brown talk about the how big of an issue and how tough of a thing this is going to be to deal with ev ev all the elements of redoing the stadium, but wanting to do a renovation, not wanting to do a new one. There's no reason to have what he called a Taj Mahal. And I would agree with that sentiment mm -hmm. that, you know, the idea of putting something that looks like Allegiant or Mercedes-Benz in Atlanta or SoFi in Cincinnati next to the banks is ridiculous. I mean, it's at a certain point, you are a little bit of who you are and, and and PBS is good enough that if, if a renovation can fix it, I trust people that say that. You do want to feel like you're getting something out of it other than just keeping the old lady alive. Uh, but, you know, I, I think a pretty positive start it doesn't it doesn't feel contentious yet and it feels optimistic uh on both sides and even even mike talking about admitting yeah this is going to be tough there's a lot of stuff to go through but they haven't gotten into the negotiation part yet but i do think it starts on a good foot and it makes you i mean I, i'm just surprised i never thought we'd be at a point where we'd be this we'd have this kind of optimism about oh yeah you know what do they need half a bill let's, let's go ahead and <laughs> trot that out there <laughs> I, I've spent years thinking that around this time we would be starting to have that conversation and that it would be polarizing and interesting and um, could lead us down a path where you had to at least explore the possibility of the Bengals not being in Cincinnati. And I'm heartened by the fact for a lot of different reasons that, that we're, we're not doing that. I mean, it's just, it's the power of winning, man. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It, and, and this, this, I mean, you know, we've, you guys cover it. We we all live it here. The, the way this happened overnight, the overnight transformation of not just the franchise, but the, of the perception of it and the Q rating of it has been nothing short of um, remarkable. I mean, I, I would I would imagine that if it were put to a public vote today, just to extend the current lease under its current terms, which has been one of the most team friendly sort of taxpayer unfriendly deals in the history of American sports um, that the majority of voters would say, yep, let's keep this going. Love going to the Super Bowl last year. We got Joe Burrow. Cannot imagine the Bengals leaving. Let's just, let's just re up. And if the same question would have been posed even a year ago, certainly two years ago, uh, I believe at that point, the majority of people would have said, let him go, let him walk. I mean, I, I took phone calls on my radio show, 2018, 19 and, and, and even part of 20, 
let them go. Let's let's do something else. Uh, let's make better use of that land. Let's make better use of taxpayer money. We don't need the NFL. We don't need the Bengals. I, I'll play fantasy football. I'll bet every week. I'll root for another team. I mean, those those were things I heard on a regular basis. I do not hear them now. I mean, you, you look at it when the when the lease happened. It was taxpayers voted for it. They said, "Yeah, mm-hmm. we want this," and they were at the low point in franchise history. And now and overwhelmingly so. Yeah, it was like sixty-one thirty-nine. It wasn't close, right? And, and now here they are at the arguably the apex of of franchise history. So I agree. I they could put it to vote, and I don't think it would even be close. Yeah, it's it's just going to be a matter of how it does get allocated. How it how you know who what do they pay for? What what's the next hologram clause? Right? Like I mean, all this stuff that's going to end up being part of this. But you know, uh, so be. I, I think. They're they're in a great place right now, and and I credit them. Whether we're talking about naming rights, whether we're talking about inner facility, we're talking about talking openly about the stadium and and trying to get that thing moving forward. Uh, you know the old strike while the iron is hot cliche. I mean the same way FC Cincinnati got TQL built off the virtue of the momentum that they had when they had it, which was unforeseen and and just almost impossible to pull off unless in that moment in time, understanding your moment in time, and I think putting. Four ninety three million on the table this year was purposeful. <laughs> putting putting naming rights out there now, building bubbles, doing this stuff is purposeful and understanding. You know all the new sponsors they have. I mean, they're they're white. They're one of their ninety eight white tiger reveals is sponsored by Swift Meats. Like, I mean, <laughs> they have they have just gone sponsor crazy from the team that quite literally didn't have a pizza sponsor last year. I mean, pizza. An NFL team with no pizza sponsor hasn't had one, and now all of a sudden, I mean, they're they are just cashing, 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 sold out season tickets. Uh, it, it's just, um, yeah, yeah, m- money's 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 coming in. There's no doubt. Well, <laughs> and, and I know this is the uh, a Bengals podcast, but it got me thinking. Okay, so Paul Brown Stadium is going to get a new name. That means there's only going to be one sports facility in town that doesn't have a corporate name. And it's on the campus of a school that badly needs money for what it would like to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And that's Nippert stadium. And I think it would be fascinating to hear what uh, the reaction would be among people who care about the university of Cincinnati. If they chose to alter the name of a stadium named after Jimmy Nippert. Uh, I think, I think, you know, People here respect and to a large degree revere Paul Brown, but I, I I just I think I think the tone would change a little bit. And and despite the fact that the University of Cincinnati would have every reason financially to cash in on the name of its football stadium, high profile, going to the Big 12, great program, Luke Fickle, a lot of fan excitement, all that stuff. I wonder what that would be like. And um, I think I might bring that up on the radio show because I think that reaction, this reaction. I've been a little taken aback by it, but if you think, okay, there's a guy that you could point to. We want to keep him. We want to keep Joe Burrow. I don't know with UC that you would point to a specific guy. You would just point to a specific program and say, we want this to continue to be really good. But I think it would be fascinating to hear what the pushback in that community would be if the University of Cincinnati went down the road that uh, the Bengals are going down. You know what I would ask for? If I were the company, let's just say I'm Skyline, just to name a local company, right? Mm-hmm. Wearing the Skyline gear today here. Uh, 
Skyline helped keep Joe Burrow Field <laughs> at Paul Brown Stadium. That's where I'm going. I want to make it specific what we invested in as our company and what we support. We're about number nine. So that's what I would say. I, I, Skyline helped keep Joe Burrow Field at Paul Brown Stadium is, is what I'm well, going for. Let me just say, I've been a little <laughs> surprised, and you guys get a lot of the same press releases I do. I've been waiting for the press release from the publicity-hungry adult website company <laughs> that you know is offering to pay like $5 billion to slap their name on Paul Brown Stadium. Yeah, and I'm slap. not even going to go down the road of... Of, uh, of what those names could be. I'm really disappointed by uh, our pornographers yeah. <laughs> who have missed out on this opportunity to have me read their press release and then ask my audience, all right, let's say it's $2 billion and we can keep Joe Burrow for the rest of his life. H how, how, would you, how would you feel about, again, I'm not going to name names. How would you feel about fillintheblank.com adult website stadium? Um, I'm really disappointed that I haven't gotten that press release. I mean, in the home of at the home of Hustler and Larry Flint and Pure <laughs> Romance. Uh, I mean, how have none of these companies come to the forefront at this point to 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 state their case? I don't know. I like it's it. Disappointing. It's disappointing. It's disappointing. No, I think it's that's a good I think that's a that's a good spot for us me. to kick you out on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, Jay, Jay, how many tweets from O this week? You uh, took the time to add them up. Want them to get their time? I did. One hundred and three tweets and one profile picture change. Wow! <laughs> did I not? Did I wow. miss that? Wow! I went with the skyline chili bucket hat. Ah, uh, yeah, the bucket hat. It's very popular. It's yeah. making its rounds. It's making mm -hmm. its rounds. Yeah. I have one myself. I've decided it's going to be my mowing hat. Good for mowing. Very good. Good for mowing. Because, okay, you know, mowing if you have hat, a decent yeah. hat, you don't want to get the sweat ring on when you're mowing, you know? And so mm -hmm. you can use that. It covers all, you know, but it's you're not as worried about the sweat ring. It's my, my, my mowing hat. I wore it to play golf on Sunday, and uh, thankfully it was a public course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mo, it was a absolute pleasure i look forward to always uh, seeing you this afternoon uh in studio talking Bengals and general nfl topics most definitely thanks guys Have a good one. thank you mo see you guys yep uh all right mo Egger, our good friend and yours from espn 1530 we talked a bunch of stuff there and we dipped into the contract conversation which is a big part of this before we go into that here is mike brown let's go let's go bring you in mike brown talking about joe burrow's contract in particular Going back to, uh, you, you talked about Joe Burrow and re-signing him. How, can, you, can you put into context how difficult that will be or, or, or how confident you are you guys can re-sign him, especially given things like Deshaun Watson's contract and how that market is evolving? How, how do you view the challenge, I guess, of re-signing Joe Burrow? Uh, you sound like you'd like the job. I... Uh... <laughs> I leave that to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'll it'll be a challenge uh, probably, but uh, I like what Mahone said. He uh, wasn't bothered by all those big quarterback contracts that came after his because he had enough to set him up for a lifetime anyway. Uh, I, I, I can't tell you how this is going to unfold. Uh, I can tell you that... Uh, uh, we couldn't be happier with the Joe Burrow. He's uh, everything you 
would wish for, uh, especially for a quarterback in Cincinnati. And uh, our whole focus is going to be on keeping him here. Duke, when you see Kyler Murray sign what he signed for and the way the wide receiver market has gone, does that change anything in the way you've looked ahead in the future with some of this stuff? Has it surprised you at all how especially the wide receiver blew yeah, up? Yeah, we don't really bury our head in the sand and, and uh, ignore what's going on elsewhere. So we're aware of, of other deals that are out there. Um, really, at this point, we're just focused on 2022 and putting the best team together. We're aware that we have decisions and, and uh, contracts that will be coming up as, as our team matures. But... Uh, you know, that's the design of, of any player we pull off the draft board. The design is that the guy's going to earn a big, big contract. That's what we want out of our guys. We want them to be considered uh, top, top level guys. And so do we have an awareness of what they're being paid? Sure. That's just part of the process of, of dealing with your team and putting together putting together a roster. Um, and... We're ultimately going to have to do what's right for us to get the best 53 guys possible with the resources and the salary cap that we have. How important is it to show when you end up going through the contract negotiations with Burrow that he has been supported like he has in the last few years in terms of how you guys have built the franchise and kind of around him? You, you're talking about contract negotiations with Joe Burrow? That's not on my mind right now. And I don't think it's on Joe's mind. You know, That's in the future. And uh, we love Joe. I think he loves being here. And uh, but our our focus is not on that. It's on how do we win the Super Bowl this year. And I think that's where Joe's focus is. Do y'all do y'all do the cap in like tranches, or do y'all look at it purely on a year by year basis? We look at it in terms of what we've got signed up for the future. Sure. Yeah, you have to. Otherwise, you'd be in real trouble. If you didn't know what you were doing in the future years. How challenging is it when you know, you know the borough thing will come down the line, it is affecting, is, has that altered the way you've had to look at things knowing that, well, yeah, that, that will be a part of future, or are you able to compartmentalize that as a separate thing when you're dealing with people now and have done over this offseason? It's never a separate thing. We have an awareness of what's, what's coming at us and the breakdown of our money might be different going forward. But I'm not going to predict what that breakdown will be or when that will happen. It's not happening right now. And again, all this is supposition. It's all something that really doesn't matter. And I don't think really people are that concerned with. I think what people are concerned with, I hope, because it's what we're concerned with, is how the 2022 <laughs> Bengals are going to be. And then who gets paid what money in the future is, is all secondary to that. There's Mike Brown uh, talking about Joe Burrow and the contract. Our whole focus is going to be on keeping him here. And, you know, it got brought up, Mike, Duke. It, it, it gets brought up now because it's on the horizon. Obviously, next, once the season ends, they can begin their negotiation. And, you know, we see what these look like. Kyler Murray's just came down the pike. I mean, this is Kyler Murray, a guy with no playoff yeah. victory experience. In fact, epic failure playoff experience is all he's got. Um, they trusted him so much they had to put the independent study clause in to force him to film study for four hours a week. And you're talking about $230 million and, you know, 170 whatever guaranteed. I mean, 
that's what it is. Josh Allen, 150 million plus guaranteed uh, in his deal. Patrick Mahomes, not surprised Mike Brown referenced the Patrick Mahomes deal uh, <laughs> as the one that he liked. I bet you liked what Patrick Mahomes had to say. Oh, yeah, sure. 10 years, 500 million, but, you know, not a lot of guarantees in there. Just assuming he's going to be around, friendly cap hits, all these things. I bet, I'm sure Mike was a big fan of Patrick Mahomes' contract, and that's where these things go. Um, but look, it's on the horizon. It's, it has affected things already. It will continue to affect things. It will be the storyline of next offseason. Um, and interesting to hear them address it here. Yeah, I mean it, it. It's gonna it's gonna be the story of next off season, but it's gonna it's still gonna be referenced this season. There's gonna there it's gonna be talked about nonstop, and even though they can't do anything until next year, and you just wonder. I mean, is is there a number that that Burrow and his people could throw out there, and the Bengals would say nope, no way, and walk away from him? I mean, it, it feels like this is no. Joe gets to write his own check. I mean, he's not gonna go crazy, and and that's the question too, where you know. What do you obviously Bengal fans are rooting for a Super Bowl championship this year, but you know, d- does it help negotiations if if they get to the playoffs, get close again, but don't get over the top? And you know, is Burrow going to be a Brady type where he, he takes a little bit less backloads at whatever it is to to keep better pieces or to an, allow for better pieces to be put around him? Or is he going to try to break the bank and and become the highest paid quarterback in the in the game? It's just, there's just so many questions to be answered and they can't be answered until next year but it is still going to be a talking point throughout this season there's no doubt and and that's fine i mean just look uh, we, we go through history carson palmer's deal was done the absolute first moment they possibly could and mm-hmm. they made him the highest paid player in the history of the nfl uh andy dalton andy. Was, they went in early before his breakout and at that time 96 million dollars was like, man, what are they doing paying Andy Dalton that much money? There was a sense of surprise at how much they gave him. You know, I, why would this be different? Mike and quarterbacks, man. Like, yeah. he, he, they will pay them whatever. And they know. Like, they know. They know the Joe Burrow effect. Yeah. Everything we just talked about. Cash, 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 cash. It's happening everywhere because of Joe Burrow. They know it. They ride, they're going to ride this man's coattails and to wherever his career goes happily, whatever, however expensive that coat is. Okay. They will buy however much that coat costs. They're happy to pay him to wear it and hold on to it. Maybe pay for some handles that they can grab real tight, <laughs> you know, because they're on, they're on board. They, and, and so to me, you know, they're just, is there a number? I don't know. They're going to negotiate hard because they're the Bengals hmm. on structure. But, you know, it's not going to be an unwillingness to pay. He, I fully expect him to be the highest paid quarterback and paid player in NFL history the same way Carson Palmer was. I don't – the guarantees number will be interesting. How much will yeah. Joe and his camp care about that? We know the Bengals' feelings on that, but they're clearly um, preparing to have some – significant guarantees. Um, and I think if there's one player that they obviously would change their philosophy on and say, look, yeah, for Burrow, we'll give the guarantees. All the rest of you guys can keep doing it the same way. Okay, you're not the quarterback. And so all of that stuff is going to be a part of this and the challenges they fight. We mentioned the escrow stuff. That's part of this too. Um, 
there's a lot of elements to this. Um, it will come next year. I, I like Duke Tobin kind of just being like, look, I I don't know how much people care about that. We care about it. We want Joe to be here. We love Joe. We're gonna we it's on our minds, it affects me, but I care right now about the 2022 Bengals. And I hope that's what other people care about right now because we think we have a great team and we're trying to win right now. And, you know, I think that is kind of the refrain that, yeah, we know what it is. We're aware of what it costs to keep a quarterback. And we're working through all of that right now to have this great team and see if we can go win a Super Bowl right now and deal with next year when it comes up next year. But we're prepared to. And what else can you really say at this point, Jay? I mean, it's all conjecture right now. Yeah. Like we've said, you cannot do anything until next year. And it's like people like us. I mean, yeah, you you have a 401k. You're always thinking about your future. But when you go out on Friday night, all you care about is having a good time and you're going to spend the money to have that good time. And it's it is important to stay focused on just 2022 because if everything goes south this year that there could be changes and i mean obviously duke's going to say that's the most important thing and it's just it's not going away it's going to be there forever and and you're right the 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 overall value to which will determine whether he's the highest paid player in the league or not is it's going to be up there that the real interesting piece for me is going to be the guaranteed money. Cause you saw the, the Browns go crazy with Deshaun Watson. Kyler didn't get to that. It, it, people were wondering if that was going to be the new norm. Um, I don't, I don't think it can be, um, but it's, it's going to be a, a significant change for the Bengals to offer up that kind of guaranteed money. And maybe it works in their favor. And then they can tell other guys, well, we can't give you guaranteed money because we gave it all to Joe Burrow and, and they can play it that way. But it's it's just that's what they're dealing with all year this year. Yes, this is the focus, but it would be irresponsible not to be looking ahead and planning for what's going to come. I mean, what is the first day that he could feasibly sign a contract? Is when it the, the first day of the over. league new year? No, when oh, the season's, season's over. over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can move. You can you can start at that point. I mean, it's it's happened before. And so, you know, I. I have zero, I shouldn't say zero, never say zero. Right. I have, I have so little concern that they won't eventually come to a deal with Joe Burrow. Like, yeah. they know where the, the where where it's buttered. They, they mm-hmm. know exactly what this needs to be. They know the market. They know market value. They understand the importance of the quarterback. They understand that he is a, could arguably end up being the greatest player in franchise history. Like, they're going to pay for that. And and I, they never have really held back on paying for the quarterback position. Very little to, little to worry about. I will say to people the same thing I said. When people, you know, the the interesting part is then the fallout on the receivers, and we've talked about that. Yeah. Enjoy it while you can. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy this while you can. That's all you can say right now because you know it, it changes as it as it goes on. Which brings us to Duke Tobin here. I want to bring in Duke. Talking about winning windows, right? I mean, because this is what we're talking about right now is you're in the quarterback window. You're in the Jamar Chase T. Higgins rookie contract window along with him. You've got these young players, and that changes. Should you go all in on that? Should you wait? Um, We talked. Duke Tobin talked a little bit at length yesterday with us about the concept of this roster and and, and how long it can go, and and some of the stuff that we're discussing here. Here's Duke Tobin talking about winning windows. 
you look at it at all like you're in a window where you've got guys like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and others on, still on rookie contracts and you're in this kind of ideal window of competitiveness and then how do you how do you manage through that. We're trying to be competitive in every window, you know, whether we're upstairs, downstairs, or in the basement. We're we're looking out the window, trying to be competitive. So <clears throat> each team's a little different, and each team's resources are a little different, and each team has, um, you know, different breakdowns with where the money goes. Um, we feel good about where we are with this team. Uh, next year, that dynamic might change a little bit. The year after, it might change a little bit more. And uh, we'll just have to cross those bridges when they come to us. But again, we want all of our players to earn big deals. That means that we're taking the right guys and they're succeeding. And uh, but yeah, I mean, what happens in the future will remain in the future. Right now, we feel great about where this current team is, and that's really where all the focus is: is how do we continue to improve the 2022 Bengals so we can go win a Super Bowl. Kind of on that note, you look at teams doing different things with how they use or trade their draft picks and how they manage the cap in terms of going, say, all in on a specific year versus keeping a longer window open. How do you balance those and kind of what's the Bengals' approach in balancing uh, a short-term all-in window versus the fact that, you know, you've got Burrow Chase, a young team that can be competitive for a while? We're trying to be competitive now and in the future. I don't, I don't think that we ever would look at a future year and say that's not an important year. And, and to me, that's what you're outlining is that some teams might say next year is not important and this year is. We will never look at a future year and say that year is not important. Every year is important. But are we trying to maximize ourselves in the current year? Absolutely. Uh, there's Duke Tobin uh, as we talk a little bit about winning. I think the, the thing that stood out to me about that and why I wanted to play that was I, it is true a lot of times you hear – I'll go for it. Go all in, right? The one thing about the Bengals and the way that they've always kind of been, <laughs> their long stretches of bad are longer and their good stretches of good are longer because they do stretch them out, right? They do move slower in some capacity. Not as much now as they've gotten to free agency. They've, they've found ways to churn a little harder. However, you know, just their their method of of never giving up the future year, never saying that year's not going to be as important. We'd rather put more emphasis on today rather than down the road does tend to give them wider windows and a little bit more continued length of success. We most saw that illustrated in 11 to 15, uh, where that was a really wide window of really their best players in their prime and keeping them and keeping that ship going straight and we saw long periods of bad uh i'm not going to go back to the 90s necessarily but you know the 16 17 18 stretch was bad longer than it needed to be what happened between carson and andy um had longer stretches of bad than it needed to be for a number of reasons um but i you know i think what he's talking about is reason to believe that you know you you've got to particularly feel good about the window they can create themselves for the next three, four years, and then see how their drafting pans out after that. And I mean, Joe Burrow is that stick that you wedge in a window that has the broken pulley that that leaves it open nonstop. I mean, as long as you, as long as you have him, it's gonna, it is, it's going to keep that open. And so it will allow them and it will be interesting to see if, 
you know, when things start changing and there's more high, when, you know, they they give Chase the long-term deal. They give Burrow. They're going to have to make sacrifices elsewhere. And we'll, if, if that window does start creeping down, will we see some of these changes that we never thought we would see happen that have happened recently? Will we see them pivot there and have one of those go-for-it years? Uh, I mean, I kind of doubt it, but who who knows four or five years down the road, whatever it is, but it, you're right. It's the, that's the, the reason they don't give a lot of guaranteed money. They, they're that all that kind of stuff comes with a sacrifice in the future. And you see all these teams that they, they get into cap hell and they have to go through these seasons where it's, it's just a nightmare financially and, and cutting people. And, and the Bengals have always been able to avoid that. Part of it is financial responsibility. Part of it is, whether you agree with it or not, the loyalty to the contract and, and letting guys play through the end of their contract. Um, there's there's still some bedrock foundations of this. Even though we've seen all this change in the last few years, there's still these core principles that that I don't think are, are going to change drastically over the next few years. I mean, the guaranteed money thing that they take heat mm-hmm. for, right, is about future flexibility, yeah, is about absolutely. being able to work future teams and keep windows open longer because they're not tied or bogged down by bad deals. Um, and that's that's the whole point. It, and, and so I, you know, that's why I think you believe that they can hang on longer, burrow and whatever it takes. Um, I'm working on this story um, on Joe Burrow's future right now. And, you know, it's just, this is not breaking, but it's undeniable that the quarterbacks that play the most efficiently are the ones that are going to go and play in the Super Bowl, okay? Top eight, boom, top quarter of the league. If you don't have it, you are done before you start. If you don't have a we just had Mike Sando's quarterback tears came out. Mm. Phenomenal piece. Look, you're going to have a hard time showing up at the end with anybody that's not in one of the first couple tiers. Period. You need a tier one or tier two for the most part, or somebody that ascends into that during the season, uh, that to be hap- happening. The last, let's see, Jay, 12 Super Bowl quarterbacks have all ranked in the top eight in adjusted net yards per attempt plus, which is one of the most correlative predictive winning stats in, in the National Football League. Every single damn one of them have been in the top eight. And almost all of them, Burrow, of course, and Stafford were two and three last year. And more than half of them in the top three. Hmm. It's what it is. It's what it is. Pay Burrow whatever he needs, and your winning window is... That ain't a stick, Jay. That ain't ain't a stick. That's a pole. You pulled the pole out of the crawl space, and you stuck it in the window, and that baby's open. Build around it however you can. You're going to have up and down years a little bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're going to have some times where the roster plans out better. Your drafting from the last previous two or three years pans out a little bit better. But when you got one of those, you can Peyton Manning this thing. You can Tom Brady this thing. You can... Ben Roethlisberger, this thing where every year those were the quarterbacks in the mix over and over again. The AFC has a lot of them right now, um, but you're in the mix, and that's all you can ask for to have the years that are that come together 
like last year did. You can make runs like that, but you can't make runs like that if you don't have the guy, and the Bengals have the guy. And, and they know it. They yeah. as, as much as you, you want the balanced roster and spread that money around, they, they know what it's going to take. And, yes, things can change in a, in a hurry. You, you can have injuries elsewhere um, that, that kind of derail a season, but you said it best. If you, you don't have a chance if you don't have that guy. And if you have that guy, it, it, it's open. You, you, the, yep. the path to the Super Bowl is there. There's no guarantee. It's there's not a, a HOV, HOF lane or HOV lane, whatever that is, where you just zip right through and pass everybody else. But you're you're on the road. You've got a shot. They realize that it's that it's priority number one. And and I know you've talked about you know possible. Could there be some extensions this year? Um, it, it just feels like that's that's at the top of the priority is getting Joe Burrow done, and then let's let everything else fall where it does. Yeah. You could see something minor happening. I mean, yeah. I think there are certain positions that, that you could look at, um, you know, Von Bell, mm-hmm. a guy who's, who's not going to be totally older yet. Um, who they're going to want a leader in a young, what's going to be a young safety room yeah. more than likely the next two years, his contracts up. You cannot ask for a better leader than Von Bell. No. I mean, he is just the epitome of what their culture has been all about, and they love him. And you know, you could you could add on, you could tack on a couple of years, and essentially the same deal that he has right now to be a leader in that room and rotate with Dax and you know help mentor Tyson Anderson and that type of stuff makes all that that type of stuff makes sense. I mean, that's not major mm. you know major you're talking about when you get into the t's and you get into talking about and Logan. jesse bates and and when that was and and whatever you know these guys that are going to be up in the 10 to 20 million or more uh range uh is when you start to talk about the, the main things but smaller stuff could happen uh depending on the receptiveness uh of of the other side uh so let's talk about camp storylines real quick as we wrap this up um Look, what stands out to you, Jay? I'll let you kick it off. Well, I mean, it's going to – beyond the starters, Collins and Kappa, and how quickly they come back, it's going to be that left guard spot. Left guard and punter. Um, I, I I wrote last week, I'm, I'm personally more intrigued by the punter competition because I think that could go either way. I think if you were setting a line, you, it, there, I wouldn't put – Kevin Huber that much ahead of Drew Chrisman or at a, it, maybe not at all, but it, it feels like left guard is the more important position battle, but it, it just, it, it, I'm not sure Cordell Volson can maybe as the season goes beat out Jackson Carmen. I'm not sure if, if we're going to see him start week one. And I kind of asked Brian about that yesterday. If he, if he views them as starting on equal footing or if, if Jackson has a head start because he was here last year and he said, absolutely. He has a head start, but no, he has not been told it's his job to lose that all those guys are competing for spots. And he, and Brian said the same thing. That's going to be the most fun thing for him in camp is to watch those battles for who are going to be the offensive linemen when they announce the final 53. And it's just, you've written about the dichotomy between Carmen has all this athleticism and all this potential. Volson is the, the prototypical glass eating gritty guy that Frank Pollock loves. It's just going to be this, this contrast of, of styles, if you will, even though they're both playing the same scheme. Um, it, I, I think that's for me, that is the big storyline that, that I'm interested in watching is what happens at that left guard spot. 
Yeah, I mean that, and then you mentioned punter. As battles go, those are really the two main ones. I mm. think everyone's very curious about Joseph Osai and yeah. and and what he can bring and and the importance of what he brings. And you know, they just they need that depth. They they need him to really be a dude um, as a third edge guy. You just you, you never know what's going to happen, and they just. Outside of Trey Hendrickson, I mean, they really didn't have the kind of get after the quarterback um, from that edge position anywhere. I mean, Cam Sample was a Khalid Kareem. I mean, these guys were uh, unremarkable in their extended period. I mean, there there wasn't long, consistent strings of pressure. I mean, Hubbard, you know what you're getting on the other Mm -hmm. side. Um, if you lose either of those guys, you need somebody. They need. They really needed that third guy, and Osai felt missing in that spot last year. And so, how good does he look? The fact that he's not on pup is good. Um, you know, I think those are things that I- I'm really interested in seeing. And obviously, we'll be sitting around waiting to see when Jesse Bates walks through the door. Um, as as far as storylines and what he does when he gets there, when if he gets there, um, but I don't know that. You know, we've we've just gone over that so much. How how necessarily yeah. interesting that is. You know, it will be interesting to see Cam Taylor Britt, which Lou Anarumo very specifically speaking yesterday. Eli is the starter until somebody proves otherwise. Eli Apple. You know, I th- Lou Anarumo likes Eli Apple. First of all, I think that needs to be stated. Um, he was the one that wanted to bring him in from a, having him in a previous relationship, working with the guy. He likes him. He likes the attitude that he plays with. Uh, and he likes a lot of things about his game. So to think that Cam Taylor Britt is some hot shot second round pick rookie is going to come in here and all of a sudden Lou's not going to give a damn about Eli Apple anymore is cuckoo. Okay. It's yeah. just, it's, it's not going to be the case. And it's also, Really, I, I detailed this in my story that I had up this week about the top storylines and questions of camp. Was I went through and looked, Jay? You'll appreciate. You probably appreciated this. <laughs> I did. I went. I went back uh, the last three years at all the cornerbacks that played at least. What did I do? I forget the, my minimum snap count: two fifty, three hundred. Um, snaps in a season that were picked between 40 and 80 cam taylor right there in the middle and how'd they do as rookies via pff grade not well, great not great bob <laughs> uh how about the league average over the time of a pff grade for all corners was 63.5 how many of the 10 eligible for that had that that kind of a grade zero Zero of 10 that had at least 300 snaps over this time frame that were picked in that spot. Zero. None had an even average PFF grade for this season. Doesn't mean they aren't going to be good. They didn't become good. Trayvon Diggs is on this list. Uh, Sante Samuel Jr. There's, there's some guys that have really developed on this list. But as rookies, hmm. average would make them one of 11. Okay, like so to think that Cam Taylor Britt is going to show up and be great is unrealistic for that spot. You got the pedigree, you're 
number five overall pick, you can come in, you can play right away and be a stud, right? I don't think you can debate that. But there's just no recent precedent of guys coming in from this level and being better than what Eli Apple was last year, which was probably an average cornerback. So, yeah, I think Lou has the right stance there. Am I? You think I'm off? You think I'm off on that? I don't. I, I'm, I'm trying to think back on, on that table you had with all those guys. I mean, how many of them... If you're starting a rookie at corner, you're probably in a in a downturn. Uh, this is a little bit different, where you have a a a defense that was pretty good last year and 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 very good in the playoffs with almost every starter back. So would would that help? It's still a learning curve. It's still hard for a rookie. But if if you maybe if you put him in a situation like that, exposes him and he gets picked on more or he's, ele- he's able to elevate his game because he's around so much talent. It's just, I don't, is, is emphatic as, as your stat results were, I, I still think there's, there's a chance it could happen, but it, again, it comes down to the trust. Cam, Cam Taylor Britt could play great in camp, but Eli Apple could play great as well. I mean, you know what direction that's going to go. Because Lou does like Eli Apple, because he's had a year with him here, and because he's had time with him with the Giants, I just, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on Cam Taylor Britt winning the starting job, but I wouldn't completely rule it out either, just because I do think that his game can elevate with all the talent around him. We'll watch it and see, and the same way we'll judge on what happens with Dax Hill. Interesting response from Lou as well yesterday about Dax yeah. Hill not being the backup nickel That's for Mike Hilton. I think the, the versatility is something that was sort of praised uh, with him. I think there was a thought that, okay, so he'll back up what? He'll back up nickel. He'll be your safety or your backup safety and could play a lot of different stuff for you, be your hybrid guy. Um he already kind of saying that he's he's not going to be Mike Hilton's backup, which I think was his way of saying he's going to be on the field. He's not going to just be waiting for Mike Hilton to to need a blow or for something bad to happen. That he is going to have a much bigger role if something happens. Were if something were to happen to Mike Hilton, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them put Dax Hill in there and he'd be the replacement. But I I don't I just. From a straight depth chart standpoint, I don't see him as just being labeled as Mike Hilton's backup. He is going to be on the field a lot in a lot of different spots. Yeah, and certainly for now, for camp, yes, he will be right. at the starting safety position. Yeah. That's where they want him to train at and be ready and understand. Um, other stuff from camp. I mean, you know, uh, well, it's it, to me the first day of camp is always interesting. I feel like yeah. we had a run there. Where there's there was always something real newsy happening on the first day of camp. First day reporting can tend to turn out that, that out too, but really the first day seems like stuff always kind of happens. Now they it's a little different that now they phase it out. It's not quite as the first practices aren't as intense. They've there's a lot more of an easing in. That's part of the the new CBA, um, but it does just feel like news always happens on that first day. So we will have an episode for you as we get to later in the week here, kind of recapping the initial news um, coming out of the first couple days of camp. First practice is Wednesday afternoon, uh, open to the public. Uh, Come on down there. We hope to see if you see us roaming the sidelines, say hi. Uh, We always love to, uh, we always love to see people that uh, enjoy the pod and so forth. So, we hope to see if I look sunburnt, let me know. Uh, <laughs> this happens. 
I'm trying to avoid the training camp burn that I tend to get. I'll be sitting here in front of you in a week, Jay, and it'll look like the lighting is off. I have SP50 in my drawer in the media room. You're welcome to use it anytime. I got to remember to put my sunscreen on. Uh, So never forget the year. I had a really bad one one year. My mom was texting me. I saw the video. You you need to put your sunscreen on. I know, mom. I know. I know. I got you. I got you. So anyway, it is that time of year. Practices here on Wednesday. All the news is going to start kicking up, and we're in it, Jay. It's good to be yeah. back. Good to be back in the full swing. It was good to eat the sherbet yesterday, uh, and the Super Bowl crumbles, uh, and everything else that we and talking to everybody at Mock Turtle. It's um, it, it's a, a good way to start the year. I feel ready. You feel ready? I am ready. And I, I, this is a public service announcement. If you do want to go to camp, don't think you're going to walk up there right as. The, mm-hmm. the start of camp happens and get in there is going to based on the, the Joe Burrow factor going to the super, all that they are going to have big crowds and it's first come first serve. You got to line up. They're not handing out tickets because they don't want to give out tickets and then have people end up not coming. And then you have a light day. So you're, you're going to have to get down there early if you want to get a spot, especially on some of these first days. Now, Saturday, whenever the back together Saturday, it's in the stadium, have room for much more people, no autographs that day. If you want it, if you're coming down for autographs, you need to get to one of those side field sessions, but don't think you're just going to roll up at the start time and get in. You're going to have to line up and, and queue up like you're going to stand on the floor at a concert. All right. Sounds good. Um, I believe they've done the latest of their 192 white tiger reveals while we've been talking. So they sure did. we're going to go and uh, react to that. It looks like it's going to be on the ring of honor game. The Thursday yeah, night game against Miami will be uh, the full color rush white helmet reveal it's all very exciting jay i'm ready to talk about football and not the latest uniform reveal so thanks everybody for listening uh and thanks everybody for watching on youtube hope if you have been watching and enjoying the youtube show and and those that have dropped uh comments in we appreciate those and uh we'll we'll have plenty more of that type of stuff going on as we uh keep it rolling so have a good one everybody we'll talk to you next time